The Mask, A Christmas Story, by Rick and Mason Bunshu. There was once a man with a hideously disfigured face. He had not been born that way. In fact, he had always thought himself a fairly attractive man. But he had never really been attractive, not in the way that it counts, for what is on the outside has little to do with what is on the inside. And there are many worthy people of humble countenance, just as there are many beautiful people who are monstrous on the inside. The man in this story is one of the latter. He loved power and riches and never denied himself anything. He was cruel with his words and believed that the only way to get what he wanted was to take it. And over the years, something strange began to happen. The poison of his spirit crept upon his face with every unkind deed distorting its features, twisting his lips into the sneer he already wore in his heart. He became on the outside who he was on the inside. Then there came a day when he could no longer deny it, as if blinders had been removed and he saw himself in the mirror as he truly was. But like all proud men, he could not bear to admit he was ashamed. And instead of examining his heart, he ordered that every mirror in his home be destroyed, and he banished every servant so as to not see revulsion or pity in their eyes. For he was a man used to power, and he hated to be pitied, because to be pitied was to be weak. He closed himself off from the world and became no longer a man, but a monster. If I am to be a monster, he told himself, then at least I am feared. But that did not cover his shame. So at night alone he dared to leave his house, his prison. He grew bitter and turned inwards, which only deepened the warped scars of his face, as if to say, Even with darkness you cannot hide us. The years passed on in solitude until there flickered a spark of regret, but he fought against it, considering it to be weakness. Then one cold winter night, when he could not bear the sight of his empty walls a second longer, he tore out into the midnight streets like a ghost. It happened that it was Christmas Eve, but it meant nothing to him. He cursed and fought against the icy teeth of the wind, as if it had caused all his misery. But the cold of winter always wins against the lonely heat of a man's anger. It is only the warmth of the hearth in joy and fellowship that can defeat it. And so when the cold cut deeply through his coat, he flew into an open doorway lit by the light of a thousand candles, fragrant with the scent of evergreen boughs, filled with the sound of voices singing carols. It was the church. Familiar melodies called to him with joy and warmth and a mellow peace more lustrous than gold, but old habits checked him. He turned away, pulling his collar up against the wind hiding his disfigured face, lest someone look out into the night and see him. Sleet lashed at him as the wind rose, hungry and insistent. It blackened out the moon and tried to knock him to the ground. He dashed into an archway for a moment of respite and nearly stumbled over a small shadow huddling in the lee of the wind. His heart leapt in fear as the thing rose up from the ground like a specter, but it was only one of the many beggar children that constantly pestered innocent pedestrians. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I was only trying to keep out of the cold. But he was angry at being startled. Go somewhere else for charity, he scowled, shaking his fist at her. She scurried beyond his reach and ran weeping into the bitter night. There was laid on his heart a finger of remorse. It was Christmas Eve, after all. What harm has she done? He called himself a fool as he plunged into the night after her. But in the driving snow, her bare footprints faded even as he followed, so the wind chased him alone and comfortless through the streets, turning him around, bending his steps until he was lost. He staggered into a narrow street, lit by the window of one small shop with a low, little door. 
The wind abated, like a petulant thing, angry that its quarry had escaped behind the church and went off to find other prey. The man chided himself for wasting time on a beggar and comforted himself with the old indignation of the rich against the poor. The street wherein he found himself was more an alley, gutters full of dirty snow, but a welcoming light fell from the shop's window as if to say, Come, see, enter in and you will find that which you are looking for. The man stood in the golden circle of light and stared, and in the window waited strange things, a walking stick cunningly carved in the likeness of a snake twining about a tree, pearlescent orbs lit fully from within, a silvery device that looked nothing like a weapon yet had a dangerous gravity to it. There were wild things, fantastical things in the window, but each of them, wondrous as they were, all seemed to be looking past him, around him, as if waiting for another who was destined to take them home. But one item stared straight at him, a porcelain mask. It stared as if alive, and it seized his imagination. The expression at war, written in kiln-fired, hand-tinted artistry, was strong yet gentle, intelligent yet inquisitive, peaceful yet powerful. But more than that, it was beautiful. I must have that mask, he thought. But it was Christmas Eve. Surely no store would be open. There was no name on the door and no street number to tell him how he could ever find his way here again. The darkness was complete on either side of the alley, so that it appeared as if the window and the small patch of sidewalk lit by its warm glow was all there was to the world. A voice inside him whispered, Take a paving stone and smash the window in. What has ever stopped you from having what you wanted? But something about the mysterious shop, something in the purposefulness of the mass that made him feel that this was one thing that must not be taken by force. As he shifted restlessly on the pavement, he caught his own reflection in the glass superimposed on the glorious mask. The urge to smash the window with a brick came over him again, and this time he could not hide from the disgust with which he saw himself and knew it for his true self worn on the outside. With hopeless desperation, he pulled at the door. It opened. Warm, cedar-scented air brushed against him as he stepped into the golden light of the shop. The door shut behind him, and it was as if the icy street outside had ceased to exist. It was a full sort of silence, broken only by the crackle of a small fire and the distant sound of a grandfather clock. Welcome, friend, on this most holy of nights. A small beaming man with a halo of white hair and the bright red apron of a toy maker or jeweler appeared from a curtained back room. The disfigured man turned full to him as if to say, See my face? You ought not to call me friend. You should fear me. But the old shopkeeper looked straight at him, at his scars and his distorted lips and cankerous sores, and said with a smile, The night is cold, and I hear the wind scratching about in the rafters looking for you. Come, sit by my fire for a spell. The mask in the window. How much is it? The proprietor ignored his rudeness. Oh, that thing? It's priceless. Come now, I must have it. Name your price. You misunderstand, friend, said the old man. He moved to the window and lifted the mask in its velvet-lined box. It has no price. It cannot be bought. See here, the man said angrily. I know that everything can be bought, even virtue and honor. I will have that mask. What price do you ask? The shopkeeper, far from being intimidated, actually laughed. Oh, there is no price on earth that you could pay. But is tonight not Christmas Eve? What of it? Why? What else if something cannot be bought or sold? I can give it to you. Nothing is free in this world, said the man with distrust. The other winked as if this was a great joke indeed. 
consider it my Christmas gift to you. But, he stammered, his anger draining away, I, I must pay something. Not allowed, not allowed, said the shopkeeper, thrusting the box with the mask into his hands. Now it is time for you to go. Don't you hear the bells? And with that, and without so much as a goodbye, he was pushed out into the snowy night, and the lights in the shop window went out. He woke the next morning, not remembering how he had stumbled back home. He felt his face, the ridges and scars and open wounds were still there. But beside him, the mask waited. With trembling hands, he examined it. The interior was velvety and dark as a cloudy night. The mask was not comfortable. It pinched and dug its angles into his crooked face. But with it on, even alone in his room, he felt braver, kinder, less a monster, almost like a man. He stood and drew back the curtain, letting daylight flood over him. Almost he hid himself out of habit, but he caught his reflection, and the mask stared back at him serenely. People filled the busy street. He watched their smiling faces as they called to one another, and in his mask he too smiled, though the pain of it made his eyes water. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! they said. He'd forgotten it was Christmas Day. He wrapped himself in his hat and his scarf, fearful about what people might do or say, but longing to walk in the daylight again. At the front door he paused and threw out a wild prayer, not exactly sure where to direct it, and stepped out into the street. The riot of noise and color and rosy faces bewildered him. He turned every which way just to take it all in. He stepped into the throng and let it carry him along. At first no one noticed him, and the mask that covered his monstrousness. Then a young boy stopped and pointed, his own face twisted in a sneer. Look! Look! He's wearing a mask! The man felt old anger rising, but a tugging at his sleeve made him look down. It was the tiny street urchin from last night, begging on the corner. She looked up at him and said, Don't be ashamed. It's a very beautiful mask. He had no answer, but he gave her a silver coin before turning into a doorway to weep unseen while the mask pinched his cheeks and temples. He dared not take it off and reveal his true face. Later he went down to the old stone church and stood in the back listening to the voices singing carols, and somehow in that fleeting moment the guilt and shame and sorrow and fear were mere mists before the rising dawn. Afterwards he wandered in the narrow lanes trying to find the little shop again, but gave up as night fell and returned home. The next morning and the morning after were much the same, as the man with the twisted face put on his mask and went out into the world. Some days people laughed, some days people paid no mind, but through it all the man felt as long as he wore the mask with its frozen expression of forbearance and compassion, he possessed those same qualities. He knew that the monstrous face of his own making was still there, but while he wore the mask, he had the courage to be the person represented on it. Often, he found himself fighting down his anger on account of the kind expression worn by the mask. He found himself acting as he imagined the real bearer of such a face might act. People began to call him a good man, but he dared not correct them, for it felt a crime to belie the beauty of the mask by revealing the monster beneath. It was on a clear and cold Christmas morning, the streets full of people heading to church, that the unthinkable happened. The little beggar girl stood on the curb singing carols to the passerby with palm outstretched. She was not so little now. The years since that first Christmas had brought her to the far edge of childhood, but still her voice was sweet and tremulous. Someone in the crowd carelessly threw a few coppers to the girl. They slipped and plinked on the stones, rolling into the street. She did not hesitate. Clutching her ragged skirt, she darted into the thoroughfare and stooped to retrieve what was of little worth to others. She did not see the heavy coach and rushing horses, but the man with the mask did. 
He dove after her and pulled her from the crushing hooves. So narrowly did death miss them that they felt its cold wind rake across their backs. She was light in his arms, and he was afraid to drop her lest she break. In the rush and tumble, the band holding the mask snapped, and the man watched in horror as it fell from his face and shattered into a thousand porcelain pieces. His mask, his shield, his beauty, his prop of courage, gone. He felt the eyes of the crowd on him, on his true face. He sank to his knees, still cradling the beggar girl who looked up at him with wide eyes. He thought to gather the pieces, to cover his face, and flee, to beg the girl not to be frightened of him. But all these were futile, so he just knelt silently in the dirty snow with the crowd gathering around him. The child reached up with a small hand, rough with unfair calluses, but still gentle. Why, your face, she said, her eyes sparkling with delighted wonder. It's the same, the man with the twisted face didn't understand. Why ever did you wear a mask, she asked earnestly. He looked up from her and caught his reflection in a shop window. He recognized the face staring back at him. He recognized the shop. He recognized the face staring back at him. He recognized the shop he had first seen, both on the same bitingly cold Christmas Eve many years ago. But instead of the porcelain mask, the man saw only his own face. The hideous face, the one carved by his cruelty and selfish cynicism, was gone. In its place was a living image of the mask that had molded it for so long. He touched his face. The bitterness had been worn away and smoothed over. The sneering scars melted into the countenance he had striven to be worthy of. It was then that the bells of the old stone church began ringing with welcoming joy. The little girl pulled him to his feet and said, Don't you hear the bells? It won't do to miss church on Christmas. And as the voices rose from within, singing carols as they have been sung for a thousand years, she began to sing along. And after a minute, the man with the beautiful, gentle face began to sing them too. The End I hope you enjoyed that Christmas fable from Rick and Mason Bunchu. On the bottom of the last page, they did include a verse that says, And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. So put on the Lord Christ. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.